Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your goodness is running after us because, because we're good at running away. In some ways, we're really good runners, God. But uh, the good news this morning is that you have found us in Jesus Christ. You've sent your son to, to find us, to restore us, to put us back into the families you meant us to be as part of what God's worldwide family in the son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You can be seated uh, this morning. First of all, let me just say welcome. Welcome to all the, the Wonders families. Welcome to the Crossroads family. And to everyone else, today's a unique Sunday. If you don't know what Wonders of Learning is, it's the, it's the ministry of Crossroads, and it's a preschool that serves this local community. So today's a little bit different, and we like the difference of this day. Included in the difference of this day is a lot of distractions because we welcome the kids in the service all day. And I want you to know from the outset, the distractions are welcome because the kids are welcome. Amen. <laughs> Remember what Jesus said. He said, let the children come to me, rebuking his disciples who were telling parents to go away when they were bringing kids to him late at night after the disciples had clocked out, you know. And he said, let the children come to me. He said, unless you enter the kingdom of God like a child, you can't even come into the kingdom. And he said, whoever receives a little child in my name receives me. So if anybody's welcome in the presence of Jesus, it's the children. So we've got to follow them into the kingdom this morning. And so normally on uh, Wonders of Learning Sunday, I, uh, I try to speak on whatever the last theme was. Uh, that I spoke on in the preschool chapel. Um, in this case, the, the last theme that we spoke on was the sneaky snake in the garden. So I thought rather than speaking this morning on the devil and the kingdom of darkness, uh, I thought it'd be a little more appropriate and maybe constructive uh, to consider the theme of what the devil came to destroy, of what the sneaky snake came to to destroy, which is God's vision for the human family, indeed, God's vision for family itself. God's vision for family itself. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis 1, first page it should be, okay? If you don't have a Bible, there should be some in the seat back pocket in front of you. But this morning, I just want to talk to you for a few moments about becoming, about the families that we are becoming, the families that we are becoming. Now, the word family means about as many different things as there are people in this room because it's a word for each of us that is, by and large, predicated on our own experiences of family, our own memories of family. So what I thought might be fun in the spirit of learning this morning in all its wonders uh, I thought it'd be fun to imagine you had to write one sentence describing family using only personal memories and experiences you've had of your own family. Imagine it was up to you to define family for all the world and all you could use was your past experience of family. Was that a good thing for the world or no? <laughs> it's a mixed bag for all of us, I'm sure. But, but fam so family is the subject of the sentence, and the predicate is all of your experiences of and with the family, 
past and present, so it includes your family of origin and the family you're in now, and all the memories from, from Christmas morning to Monday mornings. So the exceptions and the rule. So consider how different, imagine all of us have each, this sentence, okay? Imagine how different each of our sentences would be. Right, so who has the right vision of family? Who has the right description of family? Consider all the ways, the different ways each family does family. The different kinds of foods we eat and our traditions and rituals around food or lack thereof. The, the, the different kinds of hobbies that we have as families. The toys we enjoy, what we treasure. Each of our respective Amazon order list, right? <laughs> Consider the different ways different families speak. What they, how they fill their homes with words, the way they speak to one another and about one another. And, and just more generally, consider the different, I don't know, spirit you encounter whenever you enter someone's home. Each home has a distinct spirit of family. I know that sounds kind of new age or whatever, but you know what I'm talking about. You walk into a home and there are, fa- there are homes that are full of light and love and peace and a sense of settledness. And then there are homes where it just seems unsettled. It seems shaken up. Something's different. And so there are homes where you walk in and there's a sense of mutual respect and understanding. And and that's what we want for all of our homes. We want that to fill our homes. But it turns out families can get in the way of their vision of family, can't we? So here we all are this morning, mid-sentence. Because one thing that you need to understand this morning is that your sentence isn't done being written. There's no period at the end yet. You are still in process of writing this sentence of family. We are all one long run-on sentence dragging behind us a past full of experiences, for good or for ill, of family. And, And this sentence is continuing to be written in our present patterns of doing family day in and day out. So that's what we're talking about. And uh, I I want you to know this morning, regardless of what past you have drug into this moment and your families have drug into this moment, the hope of Jesus Christ is that your past doesn't have to be defined, or your, sorry, your future doesn't have to be defined by your past. Now, you may want it to be, and that's fine, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, the the vision that you have for family doesn't have to be based on simply the past vision or past memories that you've had of family because God's word is one grand invitation to let his vision for the family become your future of family. So uh, that's revealed in his word and it's in the, the passage that Eddie read. And so my encouragement for all of us is to hand over the pen this morning And let God finish the sentence in your life. Let God finish the sentence of your family. And join the family that he is forming in this one grand story about the human family that we've all been included in. And that we've all been invited actually to to be part of not only the human family, but God's family through the gift of his son. So, What I'd like to do is just, I want to read this passage for you one more time from Genesis 1, 
And then I want to make basically two points, all right? So it says this, then God said, let us make mankind. The word is literally Adam or man. It's the generic term for all mankind, but it's also the proper name for Adam, the first man. But notice Adam includes Eve, apparently. So, so let us make mankind, Adam, in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over all living things. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, cultivate it and have dominion over every living thing. And behold, I have given you, this is a paraphrase, a world full of food. A world full of food. That is how we are introduced to human beings in the Bible. So before I say anything else, I want you to notice that when the Bible introduces God's creation of, of human beings, it does so as the special creatures that were made in his image and likeness, which means one of the, the, the predicates uh, of that, the way God spells out the meaning of what it means to be made in his image and likeness, notice it's not just to be created as an individual in his image. When God wanted to create something that was like him, what did he make? He made a family. Male and female, which then gets specified in chapter 2. Adam and Eve come together, and they come together in fulfillment of God's purpose for them, which is to be fruitful and multiply. God made a creature in his image. The creator made a creature in his image, blessed to procreate in his image. And so this is the movement from the creator to a blessing that expands that blessing in the form of family throughout the earth, throughout the earth. And so this is different than all the other creatures that God made. The birds and the alligators and the beast, we're just told God made species. But when he tells us about creating human beings, it zooms in and it looks at the particular family unit. And that's our first introduction. And that means, if nothing else, this, that you can't separate family identity or family definition, family identity, from personal identity. The, 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 the individual is defined in some sense by the family. And if you think, well, in what sense? Well, think about you. How have you been defined by your family? How are you continuing to, continuing to be defined by your family and your kids and so on? So you can think of it like this. All creation is one grand work of art. But there's one thing in creation that God made to be a self-portrait. He made to be his own self-portrait, which turns out to look like a family portrait. It's a family picture. And as you know, being a part of a family, every family picture captures only a little single moment in a very long motion picture. Or you could call it a commotion picture in my case. <laughs> because being a family, it's always in process. The families we are are always just an up-to-date version of the families we're each becoming. So, for example, um, take my family. Okay, so I'll let you guys off the hook for a minute. <laughs> kids, well, we'll think, well, first let me just speak to the kids for a moment. Kids, can you, uh, did you know, kids, that there was a day when your parents were a family and you weren't even part of that picture? 
You didn't even exist yet. You were just a forethought in your father's loins. That was probably a bad metaphor. Sorry. <laughs> but you were just a forethought. You were just all future at that point. <laughs> but can you believe that? That one, There was a time you didn't exist. And because your mom and dad came together and loved each other, out of that love for one another, you came into being. You were created by the love of family. This is just like we were all created from the very beginning from the God who is love, who made us to be like him in family and to live in love. And so, and so fam, the kids, you are brought into this world to be part of a family. And, and, and there was a time when all you did was babble nonsense and eat and drink and, you know, your parents changed your diapers. But now look at you guys. You've become strong and articulate, and your bathroom etiquette's getting a lot better, so good job. <laughs> but think about how the family as a whole has changed. The, the, the families that you once were and the family you are now. So like I said, let me just give you an example of my family. There was a time when my family was just this. This is a, obviously a picture of my wedding day when for us, the definition of family was full of love and future and promise. We were all future, no past. I mean, we had a family of origin past, I'll get to that, but, but we we're all future. And, and by the way, let me just warn you who haven't been married and ask a question for all of those who could have counseled me when I was getting married, not to be so daggum confident and idealistic in writing my wedding vows about the kind of husband I would always be, which included, in my vows, because I went back and read them this week, and it was very indicting, I'll say the, the least, to say the least, but the, the, I was going to be the kind of husband that was always gentle with my words and kind in spirit, and listen to this, guys. No joke. I said that I would never keep a record of wrongs. Hey, that was my wife. I literally promised her that. Do you know how inconvenient that is? Do you know how inconvenient that is to never keep a record of wrongs? And how many times because of her wrongs, she's made a liar out of me? I just, I just get it. Oh, some of you didn't even laugh. You were offended. Come on, guys. Lighten up. We're talking about family. Might as well get a little real, right? So, but it soon becomes clear in every marriage, you didn't just marry one person, two families came together, didn't they? And uh, because you marry someone and they bring company with them, don't they? And these are, this is the wonderful gift of a bonus family called in-laws. Bonus family, right? That's how I feel about my in-laws. So this is Caldy's family, this is my family, and that's the, the collision of the two. So, and um, by the way, my Canadian in-laws made it very clear that they were joining this uh, association, or that I was joining theirs, I should say, when they put me through their customary Canadian hazing uh, ritual. So if you get married to a Canadian, you're going to have to wear a jersey, which may or may not represent your allegiances. That's all I'll say about that. But, but it's not only that you become literal members of another family and they yours, but the two family systems come into a collision in that first household, don't they? I remember the first day that we moved back into the house from North Carolina and there was a way things were going to be. 
And one of those, one of those things included my dog getting uh, fixed, my, my male dog getting fixed. It was like day one we're taking the dog to get fixed. I don't know if that was symbolic or what, but <laughs> we were not going to have any more bachelor parties at my house apparently. Uh, I think I've got a pic. Oh, yeah, there he is. So, poor Ringo. God rest his soul. But, uh, but, but our family system, like my wife's family is very interdependent, like in a healthy way, and my family, very independent, maybe in a not as healthy way. And so when we came together, she didn't understand that alone time was for my sanity, not me needing, you know, not liking her or whatever. And you got to work out those family systems together over time, don't you? But, of course, as with every family, well, in some sense, every family multiplies. That doesn't mean you have to have biological children, but your sphere grows. You have new friends, neighbors, and so on. And, and, and so your family and your, your influence grows. And eventually, we exchange these two dogs for a bunch of other dogs, puppies, and four children. The, the family we became was this family of six plus a bunch of beasts, uh, which turned out to be more domesticated than some of our children sometimes. So, <clears throat> and then the kids grow up, of course. Pets come and go. Kids grow up. The, 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 the years uh, multiply the growth, and, and these are my four kids. They're all proud graduates of Wonders of Learning. Thank you very much. And, uh, and so they, and, and of course the extended family grows too and changes, doesn't it? This, as a matter of fact, is a picture from a couple years ago of my parents getting married after 30 years of divorce. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's what can happen when you start letting God finish the sentence of family in your life, right? And this is, uh, this is Keldy's extended family, which is multiplied, as you can see, because Families change, families grow, and of course, this is a picture of a few months ago, the last time we got to see Opa, Keldy's grandfather, before he died. And we sat beside him and we sang hymns, and that's the last memory my kids will ever have of Opa, of Grandpa. You see, families are this special creature God made to live together and to love together, and indeed to die together in hope, to die together singing hymns. Because it turns out that the sneaky snake did come to destroy the human family and in all of our families, but, but what the devil intended for harm, as God's word says, God used it for good. And through the fall of that original family, God would orchestrate his plan to invite all of us into his family, becoming children of God. You know the verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. As it says in then John chapter 1, those who receive him, who believe in his name as God's son, they are given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. So for all who receive that invitation, we're invited to see our families be transformed by, by aligning ourselves with God's vision for the family. And like I said, really just two things. Words of blessing, how, how, how to be transformed, how to move toward God's vision of the family. You can think of it in these two ways, through words of blessing and the spirit of love. 
words of blessing and the spirit of love. You really can't understand the whole Bible, the whole story of salvation history as one big story about how God restored this original vision of family and particularly a family under his blessing in this world. You see, after the fall, after the sneaky snake came into the garden, um, everything began to tear apart at the family nucleus, in the nuclear family. Before the sneaky snake showed up, remember how, it, how the end of Genesis 2 concluded. It said, the, the, finally, the woman was made and the two became one flesh. They became married in biblical parlance. And then it says that they were naked and not ashamed. That's the way families should feel. We can be our whole selves, be totally exposed, and we don't have to hide because of all that's wrong with us. Because we know that, that, that shame is the thing that divides the human family. And that's what you see, the very first thing that happens when sin enters the world. It didn't feel like separation from God first and foremost. It felt like Adam and Eve separated from their husband and wife, wife and husband. It says they saw that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and hid themselves. It was the first divorce. God started, the sneaky snake started driving a wedge in the human family. And from that, that point on, God promised that he was going to restore this family as he, as he originally intended. Genesis 5, it says that Adam had a son in his image, not in God's image, in his image. So there you can see the problem, as Edwin Friedman says, the problem with our parents, after all, is that they had parents. <laughs> and that goes all the way back to Adam. Okay, so have a little compassion on your parents, right? Because they also had parents. And, and so, we're so this is how human history unfolds. Genesis 12, God starts his redemptive plan with Abraham. And what does he say? He says, leave your country and your kindred of your father's house. He says, leave your family because I'm going to start a new family. And he says, I will make a great nation out of you and I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And so God has been restoring this family from the very beginning. He promised the same thing to King David. I'll send a son, one of your descendants, and I will bless him. And then, of course, it all culminates with God sending Jesus, his own son. And it says this in Ephesians 1, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ the Son. Transfer out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved Son. This world came under the curse of sin and death, but God has rescued us back into his family by sending his Son and blessing us in him. And that's how we start to restore those words of blessing from God into, in this world, in this world. And so how do we restore it in practical sense? I mean, do we just walk around our house just saying, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, like everyone has a cold, right? No. Speaking words of blessing, it's about speaking words of life and encouragement in the normal speech that fills our families and our homes. It's about filling those, because every, every family fills its home with words. You have about a billion words on average that you'll speak before you die. And the great majority of those words will fill your home. And they can fill their home with blessing. And they can fill the home with curse. And it's not, about the all, it's not all about those formal blessings or curses, of course. It's about the way you speak. Words of life. 
words of encouragement, words of love. As I've said before, it's not what you say that's important. It's what you say over and over and over and over. It's our formal blessings and informal blessings. And by the way, these, uh, if you are a father in here and you have a desire to bless your children in a community of blessing, a community committed to restore blessing as Crossroads is, I'd love to invite you to dad camp. These rocks all come from our dad camp that we have every summer where we bring our kids, guys and girls, and we culminate our experience together after camping with a, ble- a rock star blessing. And we tell them one word that we've seen in them and then we bless them publicly and, 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 and affirm them uh, publicly in front of all these other fathers and these kids. And it's a wonderful time. So this is a rock from each year that we've done it for my kids. And uh, when they go to college, I'll send them with a bag of rocks so they don't forget who they are. But we'd love to invite you. You don't have to be a member of Crossroads to join us. And uh, I don't know when it is. But you can ask someone at the connection point when we're doing it this summer. So, but, but words shape the kind of way, the kind of person we believe ourselves to be. I remember being told by a guy, and it uh, wasn't my father, but by a guy when I was five years old that I was a liar for something. And I don't even really remember what it was for. I probably was lying. But I never forgot those words spoken over me. It's like they attached to me. It's like they wanted to become an identity to me. And you have to recognize that your kids are having words thrown at them constantly. And you're the only defense against the words of the world that are deceiving your children. Your, our parents, this community, as a community, we, we are all taking an offensive by speaking words of blessing and saying, the world isn't going to claim my children. Jesus Christ has already claimed my children. And I'm going to speak in his dialect, which is a dialect of blessing, of blessing. And then lastly, lastly, the, the spirit of love. It's, it, we're called to fill our, our love with the spirit of home, with the spirit of home. So what does that look like? How do you fill your home with the spirit of love? It's, it's actually pretty simple and pretty hard. So, so it's not complicated, but it is difficult. It is simple, though. The way to fill the spirit of love in your home is to confess Jesus as Lord. As Lord of your life, Lord of your family, Lord of your home. The Bible says that all who receive Jesus, who confess him as Lord, in Romans 5, it says they will be justified and receive the Holy Spirit through the, or receive the love of God through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. How do you receive God's love? Confess Jesus as Lord. He fills you with the Holy Spirit, which the Bible calls the Spirit of love. The spirit of love. And the spirit of love, and the reason it's connected to our confession that Jesus is Lord of my life, my home, my family. The reason why is because, is because when Jesus is my Lord, he will tell me to act different, think different, speak different about my family and to my family in ways that I otherwise wouldn't. When Jesus is my Lord, he can tell me to say, I'm sorry, when all I want to say is, I'm right. That happened one time. (laughs) 
He can tell me to, to, to shut it down at the office because going home for dinner is infinitely more important than another hour of overtime. When Jesus is my Lord, I begin to treasure what he treasures. I begin to see how he sees, and his vision becomes my vision, and when that happens, that vision starts to become my future, and the future of my children, and the future of my children's children, as my father-in-law prays, and it's a prayer that I've adopted, may God have one unbroken line of followers of Jesus from this day forth till he comes back. That is the prayer, so that the spirit of love can, can fill our homes and bring the life and love of Jesus into our families so that we can live together in this sacrificial love and die together singing hymns of hope, hymns of hope as we die together in the promise of God that one day he's going to raise his family from the dead because what else would the living God do? What else would the God who created the universe out of nothing do than to give his son what his son came for, brothers and sisters in the family of God? God will do it. God will do it. So what I'd like to do uh, for our closing is before we, we're going to sing one more song, but before we do that, I want to just invite you into the tradition that began the day God told Abraham's family what, he needed, what they needed to do to restore those words of blessing in the family of faith, in the, the, the family that God raised up out of Abraham's descendants. And it's in the, the book of Numbers chapter 6. He says, if you put this blessing on your children, I will bless them. So as a church, once a month, we, we have Bless the Children Sunday, and today happens to be Bless the Children Sunday. So you don't have to participate, but we would invite you to participate. We'd love for you to participate in this family blessing that we believe God has given the people of God so that they can raise up their children under his blessing. So if I have everyone stand, please, and we'll have the worship team come on forward. If I could have everyone stand, here's the way this works. You, of course, find your children and you can lay a hand on them. If you don't have children, find someone with more gray hair than you or less hair than you and you can throw a hand on them. If no one's putting their hand on you, that just means you're closest to God. We respect our elders here, okay? All right, and then if, if you would, just, we just invite you to say this blessing with us over your children. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May it be so. May the living God give peace to every family in this room. May his vision become our future. May you call us under the lordship of Jesus Christ to submit ourselves to you and to, to watch how you transform our families in light of your vision of the, and the reality that is present in Jesus Christ of the family of God. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, a reminder, uh, we have refreshments in the lobby. So please hang back and uh, spend some time uh, getting to know one another, brothers and sisters in the family of God. And uh, as you go, I'd, it occurred to me, you know, the only way you can actually extend blessing is to, let me see, 
Oh, thank you. It says, Daddy, what can I do in the middle of trying to say something like this? I've got to acknowledge it. Thank you. But in the, you can't really extend the blessing if, you, if you're not open to receive it. So I just want to leave you with the same blessing that, that you spoke over your kids and over the next generation. Just put, I encourage you to just get in a posture to receive, whether you open your hands or you just stand there. Just orient your heart to receive. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. In Jesus Christ, he is turned towards you. In Jesus, and may he give you peace. Amen. Go in that grace this morning.